Burn the Box, a portal to the world of hidden truths and untapped power, a sanctuary where together we unmask the oppression hidden in the shadows far too long, unscripted, unplanned, unrehearsed. Stay tuned for powerful conversations, thought-provoking insights as we ignite the sacred rebellion of the global majority. Let's begin this incredible journey together. Welcome to Burn the Box. Your host, Dr. Sonali Deepika. Hey, welcome to another episode of Burn the Box. And I'm here with my lovely colleague and friend, Evie Orman. Evie is committed to movement work centering on the emotional and mental well-being of Black folks, others in BIPOC and disabled communities. With a strong sense of imagination and a keen perception for generative discussions on group dynamics, Evie shows up for others through the practices of plant medicine and food preparation. They've worked with groups in the U.S. and U.K., and have extensive experience in somatics and other trauma healing practices. Welcome, Evie. So happy to be here with you. (laughs) Thanks, Nolly. It's good to be here, and I'm excited. (laughs) Me too. And maybe I will just share, share one other thing, because I am having these conversations with several members of our community of somatic abolitionism, and for some, when we hop on this recording, this podcast, it's the first time I'm connecting with them. And with you, I'm honored that we've had, we've been meeting this year, at least weekly in our quad, and that we've had several discussions on our own. And so it means a lot. <laughs> and, and it might shift to the nature of our flow because I do know um, more about you. <laughs> that makes sense. I usually start with, as this podcast is about burning boxes and about expanding out of spaces that may feel contracted and constricted about liberation from embodied oppressions. I wonder what's alive for you now. With regards to that. Yeah, I'm as I one of the things that makes me feel alive and connected to the universe is astrology and following the patterns of the moon and the stars and the planets. And I am just aware that today is uh, today that the day that we're speaking is the new moon in Leo. And so that means the sun and the moon are both in Leo today. And Venus is also retrograde in Leo. So a lot is happening in that um, sign. And so it feels for me being so being a Scorpio rising and having my midheaven in Leo, that is the area of my life that represents my career in public life and the things that I release out into the world. And so it feels really exciting to be having conversation with you today because I fe- I'm very much feeling that energy of what is it that I want to share with the world. And mm-hmm. I am excited that I get to talk to you because you know, I enjoy our conversations already. So I think <laughs> it's going to be great. 
Oh, I'm so excited. And I'm so, I always appreciate how astrology gets woven into all of our conversations. I learn so much from you. And as we're here talking, and as you mentioned, um, all the things you mentioned, the, the new moon in Leo, Venus retrograde, for me, it just reminds me of how in my own life, Part of this burning boxes for me has been about, and it's a it's a deep path and it's continuing for sure, but a path of allowing myself to be seen and heard and allowing myself to be expansive. And just in doing that, also bearing witness to all the layers, all the the oppression that I hold. And I know that it's not all mine. Yes, a lot of it is, but it's also mm. like this intergenerational aspect. It's as we talk about in somatic abolition, it's like this historical, intergenerational, pervasive, persistent, like these factors that have made it dangerous for, yeah, it's dangerous is a word that comes to in bodies of of culture to be seen in this way because there is something that I know I hold of like oh I could be something bad could happen could be persecuted in some way or it's an edge it's an edge that come every time I try to show up in it like a different way or I try to expand a bit more all I always face it I don't know I think for me as you share about the astrology, it's, yeah, this is a big deal to share in this way, something that we're going to put out, if we choose to put out for others to to witness. Yeah, I feel similarly. And yeah. I, I resonate with what you talked about as far as the danger that's more like possible persecution. And I'm not sure if you're speaking specifically about paying attention or embodying astrology, but for me, it there has been my choice to start learning about astrology just really less than five years ago, like intentionally learning about it. And yeah, it was a, a choice towards liberation. And part of how that happened for me was that an elder, a black queer elder in my community in Seattle introduced me to or reminded me that astrology and just paying attention to the stars is something that is ancestral for us, but it was something that in the process of colonization, we were told like, it's not true. It's witchcraft. Mm -hmm. It And so the, these sorts of ancestral practices of honoring the cycles mm -hmm. of the sun and the moon and the stars were mm -hmm. looked at as, as wrong, like being against whatever the religion of the colonizers were. Yes. And in my case, it was like a very kind of like Protestant, fundamentalist Christian Christian religion. And so I was taught not to pay attention to these things. And I even found as an adult that I had some resistance to learning more about astrology because mm -hmm. I was like, it's not true. It's not scientific or whatever. And this queer Black elder said to me, who benefits from you ignoring the sky? The sky is above us. It's like part of our habitat. And I hadn't really ever thought of it like that. And then she also shared, she reminded me that our ancestors, how they found their way to liberation when they were enslaved, were, was 
by following the stars and using the stars to navigate and even paying attention to the moon cycle and knowing that a full moon was maybe not the best night to like try to run away. But mm-hmm. a new moon would be a great night for that because it star- the sky is darker and there's less mm-hmm. light for people who might be looking for someone to escape. And yes. also that we, those of us who practice following moon cycles know that the new moon is also a time for planting seeds and for new beginnings. And so it does make sense that in the cycle of the moon, that might be a night that someone Mm -hmm. would decide to escape to their liberation. And so when she shared that with me, I was like, wow, I've never thought of astrology like that before as like me reclaiming some of my ancestral heritage and like how my ancestors would have needed to know the sky in order to Mm -hmm. navigate by it. Like I can't say I know the sky well enough to navigate, to know what direction north and south and east and west are. And I just did something really moved me as far as that and really changed Mm -hmm. my perspective. Mm -hmm. And it made me feel okay with pursuing this curiosity that I always had for astrology. And it's like I had set aside six months at first. I was like, I'm just going to study astrology for six months. I got Shani Nicholas's book, We Were Born for This, because it had just come out. And then I just was so fascinated by it. I never stopped learning. And so it's become one of my special interests that I'm like always researching and learning about different placements in my own chart and other Mm -hmm. people's charts and what's Mm -hmm. happening in the current time. I've just Mm -hmm. found it a very healing part of my practice and mm-hmm. of liberating myself from mm-hmm. all of these, like the what you were talking about, the historical and the yeah. institutional trauma and mm-hmm. the personal traumas that I've experienced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love um, just hearing about how the more you leaned into that, it had nothing to do with like the way you were, your upbringing or any kind of a value that was in your conditioning, you know, that it was something else, but then it has really been a way to, yeah, lead you to this deeper understanding of reclaiming part of your ancestry and of feeling more liberated yourself by knowing this, this information and a connection to I find it fascinating, this, the stars and the cycles and mm-hmm. the meaning that it has to us as a whole population, but then also individually, depending on how it shows out. That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I remind a little bit of uh, talking like, it was just a, a piece that was, for me, when I first learned about Ayurveda, which was about 10 years ago, and I didn't know anything about it because it really had gotten very suppressed during colonization of Sri Lanka and India. But that the more I learned, that is what got me out of like work I was doing and got me closer to my own roots and like a different way of doing healing. But I just, yeah, I love when we have these like pearls that we start to follow and (laughs) where they take us. Yeah, I feel like part of my finding liberation was just being willing to pursue what was interesting to me and not have it need to be something that was like for a job or to win at capitalism or something. I'm curious about this. 
I've always wondered, I'm going to study it and learn more about it and dedicate myself in a similar way that I might dedicate myself to something professional, but I'm doing it just for myself. And there is something that feels really, yeah, both liberating and also now that I have a greater understanding, I found that paying attention to what is happening in the sky presently can give me clues of like when it's a good time to share something or when it's a good time to have a conversation. And it actually has supported my relationships in ways that feel really Mm -hmm. liberating as well. I'm grateful for the challenge that this the person in my community offered to me because Mm -hmm. it helped open up a whole new world of possibilities that I didn't even know was there for me. And for me, it was astrology. I'm sure for for it was astrology and then also plant medicine to a large extent, which those things overlap in my experience, um, Mm -hmm. has a lot of impact on plants and plants that are associated with different planets and different types of energy uh, that just in my journey towards, I guess, how Resmo would say remembering has, I feel like astrology particularly has served me in just the clues along the way. I think reflecting on that and maybe even some of what you shared about the danger, but also perhaps a stubbornness or decision to move forward anyway, if those Mm -hmm. feel like Leo qualities, because Leo is very like courageous and, and demonstrative. And it makes sense that like in a Venus retrograde, when we're that energy of like pleasure and creativity is focused more inwards, that we would Mm -hmm. be reflecting on how those things have supported us or notice when things are not supporting Mm -hmm. us and and make decisions to let go of those Mm -hmm. things in a mindful way because of the reflection that this time is supporting Mm -hmm. for all of us. We take advantage of that. Yeah, I I appreciate the reminder about being courageous because I do think when we start to connect to our bodies more as this work, a different work, but definitely the work we met through the semantic abolitionism invites us to do we start to listen to something deeper calling us. And like you said about astrology, um, I felt the same thing with Ayurveda. That wasn't part of my, that was something I just came across. I was already working and doing things. But when we start to listen and then allow ourselves to be guided and actually take steps that take us out of our comfort zone, <laughs> you and I are both in different countries than we've been raised in. Mm-hmm. And it's just having that courage despite fears, doubts, and other things. But just from an, for me, I feel like it's just that inner, like an inner knowing mm-hmm. that's okay, take this step and take this step. Not to say it's easy, not to stay, not to, it's a lot of uncertainty for me anyway. But yeah, I appreciate that reminder that we're being supported in that, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And I think I had mentioned plant medicine being a part of that journey too. Yeah, And when I think of courage, there are two plants that come to mind, like plant ancestors that I have been working with actually since I started my journey to immigrate from the U.S. One of them is, I guess I should say, a mushroom that I brought with me, which is lion's mane. It's called lion's mane. And one of the 
things that lion's mane does is to support our nervous system. Like it's an adaptogen. And so it helps just soothe our nervous system, like our literal nerve fibers, but it also has something called nerve growth factor in it, which Mm -hmm. actually helps our nerves to regrow. Mm -hmm. So it can be helpful for treating things like nerve damage, but on a spiritual or more energetic level, lion's mane is known as a mushroom that gives us courage, like that it, Mm -hmm. and, and I have certainly noticed when working with lion's mane that if there's a situation where I just, I'm feeling anxiety over, especially anxiety that's connected to fear of the future or of something happening that lion's mane can even that out and give me extra space so Mm -hmm. that I am not feeling so much overwhelmed. And it also can help be helpful for focus. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I really enjoy that plant or that mushroom. (laughs) And then even though I do consider it plant medicine, and then another plant that I directly associate with courage is the plant forage. And it's interesting because the day that I left the U.S. and I went to a friend in Mexico and I was standing outside her house and I saw these beautiful purple flowers that were in her yard. They were just calling to me like something. I just felt so curious about them. And I used one of the apps I have. You can scan plants. And I was like, what is this plant? So I asked my friend and she wasn't sure. And that's how I learned about how I got to see borage for the first time when it was still growing. I had worked with borage before as in its dry form, but of course it yeah. looks different. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, wow, this is so interesting because it felt like courage was actually specifically what I needed in that moment because I was right at the beginning of this very unexpected journey. And and mm-hmm. so my friend actually was in a similar place, having also immigrated to Mexico. We ended up sitting down together or collecting some of the flowers and, and stems and then drying them. And then a week later, we made a tincture together with the borage. And it really felt like this plant just invited us that it was, Mm -hmm. this plant was like, we're here for you. And there are these beautiful flowers that are purple flowers that are shaped like stars. And so I've been working with borage actually specifically ever since I transitioned to, um, to living outside of the U S and also lion's mane and like just having an ongoing conversation with those plants. Mm-hmm. And so that feels, though they both feel important to bring up for the energy that's in the space today because mm-hmm. I have felt like reflecting on who, reflecting on my lineage and like how mm-hmm. I have gotten to where I am mm-hmm. and my journey makes a lot, has just, it. I like to include plants. <laughs> I like to mm-hmm. include my plants as some of yes. the supports and ancestors that have moved me towards liberation. Well, makes me for sure. I don't know how or how that, but I was sure for sure would like to find those. In fact, I didn't think I have lines made as you were talking. Like I bought it some time ago, and I, I think first focus was what mm-hmm. was going to me, but I don't like I haven't looked at it or thought about it for a long time. But it makes me. Just, I feel this like yearning for, oh, this support would be helpful for me for where I am. And maybe for a lot of people, like we can use support 
like a natural support for courage, for taking steps on your trip, for stepping, stepping outside of boxes, burning boxes, whatever that looks like. It is more of a brave path, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it does require, I think, particularly for bodies of culture, following Mm -hmm. our own curiosity and following what we're interested in and making Mm -hmm. choices that are honoring our own liberation are mm-hmm. they do require courage it's not the easy choice mm-hmm. um and it's often something that we're discouraged from doing even mm-hmm. sometimes from within our own people um because of that fear of not being aligned with with the powers that be or the status quo and the retribution yes. that many of them have experienced because mm-hmm. of making different choices or maybe even making the choices they made because they weren't allowed to make other choices. Yeah. I can feel how like that collective fear that for me, like I just sense it as a part of survival, like a survival mechanism, but it's something that tells us stay small, stay hidden, do what is like stay under the radar, just follow these forces, basically like forces of repression that have been upheld for a long time. Just stay there because that's safe. But then I think for those of us who are on her paths and are doing somatic abolitionism work and other work that's really about, no, we don't want to stay in the oppression. Yeah, it's, it's true. And I... Sometimes I think about where I am now and how I feel like over the course of at least the time that I intentionally started focusing on my own healing, my own wounds, which I felt I I got a lot of clarity around that, even from astrology, because Mm -hmm. I when I looked at my birth chart, my son is conjunct Chiron by only, I think, one or two degrees, so really close conjunction in my eighth house, <laughs> which I'm like, universe, that's rude. <laughs> like, how could you? <laughs> the easy path. <laughs> yeah, and Chiron is the planet that considered the, the wounded healer. Um, mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a dwarf planet, I think. And so represents like our core wound and having my son, which is my like self and my ego, essentially conjunct my core wound. I've definitely felt that over the course of my life. And so it gave me some clarity. I was like, wow, life has been rough. Like I have struggled and the sky also supports that was the expectation on some level. But there is also the fact that in traditional or, or in modern astrology, Chiron is considered also the place where we have the power to heal others. And so from the place that we have experienced our most, our mm-hmm. deepest wounds, that we mm-hmm. are able to offer healing to others in that mm-hmm. same space as we work through in our own healing. That was really instructive for me because I always had this sense of looking for something more or looking or like have a of something in my gut telling me that there that more was possible, that more liberation was possible. And that feeling is what kind of motivated me to pursue the things I was curious about. And I think the very first I found 
that where I was hearing something that sounded true was when I discovered Emergent Strategy, written mm-hmm. by Adrian Marie Brown. And I remember just like reading that book and just and working my way through it very slowly, actually, over the course of a year, because it just felt like so much was there. I had to keep rereading the pages and, yeah. and just be like, I don't think I took all of that in. I need to read that again. And then also recognizing that the what was written in Emergent Strategy really was a beautiful summary of a lot of things that people in my lineage were had already been practicing. Mm-hmm. Maybe didn't have it wasn't articulated. And Adrian says that in the book, that emergent strategy is something that she was able to collect from witnessing nature and the cycles of, of nature and the ways that certain animals move and the way that mycelium is collaborative with other species. And so that felt really affirming. And I also was able to meet other people through emergent strategy who had a similar worldview and were on similar paths. Um, mm-hmm. And that really, I'm so grateful for because it launched me in the direction of movement work that mm-hmm. was not just about action, but about reflection as well and balancing mm-hmm. those things, which is something that Grace Lee Boggs, who was a mentor of of Adrian and a teacher of hers, and now of by virtue of her writing and and the other things that she put out into the world, like Grace always talked about that movement, some movement, and especially in the U.S. for racial justice, had overvalued action and undervalued reflection. And that we really need both because if we're not reflecting then where it's like there's movement happening, movement work, but where is the movement going? And are we able to like strategically move towards a future that we want instead of just reacting to what's happening? And I was just like, yeah, that is what I want, a more mindful future than the kind of world we live in now where I look around and I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Like, why would we do this? This is not a good idea. So yeah, that's, it has felt like the beginning of my journey. I always, I look back on that and at the time I didn't know where it would lead me, but I'm grateful for having found emergent strategy and Grace Lee Boggs and people like Octavia Butler, who also inspired Emergent Strategy, which both of those people I found because I was connected to the Emergent Strategy community and was reading Adrian's writing. Yeah, those, Mm -hmm. they sent me on a path to, towards more liberation and less constriction. That's Mm -hmm. how in my body, I imagine liberation. Mm -hmm. What I imagine is that my joints are looser and my muscles can relax and that there's space in my body that then can radiate that space and the choices that are available when I have more space radiate Mm -hmm. outward into Mm -hmm. my relationships and my community. Thank you. As you're mentioning about movement and reflection, first of all, yes, so much yes to that. Um, And for me, and it's just been the last five years or something. I guess, yeah, movement is a good way to say it. Like movement, there's action. There's something that we do 
And it could be a practice. It could be something that we, but that we're actively doing. For me, I found that it's so important to have integration, like space for integration, mm. because our, our, you know, I just want to say the culture, that's not great, but I guess in the US, it doesn't seem like the culture, it's go, push, push, yes. push, just keep doing it, doing it. And it doesn't value pausing, mm-hmm. like reflecting, integrating, and then taking the, like then coming to a place where the next conscious step, the next available step, the next embodied step becomes clear. And then it's mm-hmm. okay to do that. And also when you mentioned about how you feel in your body with liberation and the spaciousness, um, also aware of having, especially in these last few years, noticing contraction mm-hmm. and expansion and that it being inherent to this kind of path that we're talking about. The path is different for everyone, like a general path towards liberation. It's it's like the contraction. I know I've gotten very, sometimes when the contraction comes, it feels awful. And like, oh, I'm back. It sets me back. Or I'm just like, how am I not? I'm not moving forward, but it's really not like a linear path. It's a different, it's a different kind of path. Um, Yeah, it is. I, I really enjoy that you said um, that it's not linear because that takes me right back to emergent strategy of the nonlinear and iterative principle mm-hmm. in that um, book. And part of the recognition of things not being linear is also a way of burning boxes of resisting mm-hmm. that kind of linear way of moving mm-hmm. or thinking that we have all been conditioned into under mm-hmm. like Western European colonization. Yeah. Um, Because that is the worldview of like things just moving in a straight line. There being this kind of like clear escalation. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it's not necessarily forward thinking in the sense of like thinking about where the escalation is leading, which I think Mm -hmm. we're all experiencing with the impacts of climate change and returning to a more embodied way of living and being has led me back into the idea of like cycles as opposed to us moving in some sort of straight line. Yes. Um, And just recognizing that things come back around, these lessons we return. I think that's on some level what a retrograde like time for any planet is about like the kind of going back and reviewing what has happened and what lessons that we've learned. and. And having another opportunity, at least in my experience with this Venus retrograde, to encounter a familiar situation and then make a different choice. And I am really grateful for people like Octavia Butler, who wrote about people moving towards liberation as an experiment, that it's Mm -hmm. not there's not some like right or wrong. It's like we are trying different things. We know what we are doing hasn't been working Mm -hmm. and that it's causing a lot of pain and that it's Mm -hmm. moving us towards a place that is less liberated where we feel Mm -hmm. more constriction and we have less, uh, more scarcity and Mm -hmm. less access to ourselves and to each other and just making a different choice, like on some level guessing, but also perhaps learning from 
people who have lived differently either (laughs) around us or in our communities, our ancestors, and seeing what happens and then continuing to move towards liberation based on the impact that we see from the new choices that we're making. Mm -hmm. And that, like understanding that has been helpful for, again, this ways that we've been conditioned into perfectionism and like needing to know what's right and wrong and always make the right choice. And there's just so much rigidity in that. And it's not, it doesn't feel like a creative process in the same way that non-linearity and cyclical ways Mm -hmm. of seeing the world provide Mm -hmm. that space for creativity and curiosity, Mm -hmm. which to me, those are the things that make me feel alive and give me energy. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. Another word you said, you mentioned, you said the word integration. When you said that, it, it felt connected to the fractal, the idea of fractals, and also to the way that nonlinear ways of moving through the world can mm-hmm. lead us to unexpected things like I I can remember at the beginning of my journey with plant medicine, for example, which started probably back in 2006, quite a while ago, that I came to plant medicine, to learning about plant medicine because I was trying to heal myself because I was going down this very linear kind of critical or this very linear path with Western medicine where which wasn't designed for me, especially in the United States, where my pain and my struggle to feel good or to feel healthy was -hmm. just being dismissed and not taken seriously. And that is a historical trauma, collective trauma that Black people with wounds and many other people, particularly in the U.S., but many people in the work, who experienced their ancestors being colonized by Western Europeans, particularly Great Britain, just were, we have a shared experience of not having our pain be seen as valid or as real or as worthy of treatment. And that is how I found my way to plant medicine because the first person who ever took my pain seriously and said, this is not normal. It's not just cost of having a wound to just be in pain all Mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And that there is support and help for that. And you don't have to live like that was an herbalist that I met that a friend Mm -hmm. introduced me to. And it opened again, opened up a whole other world of this relationship that we can have with plants and with the land where Mm -hmm. I really feel that the plants want to support us they want to heal us and they want to have be in conversation with us because we i think that some of the plant species also need healing and that we have the opportunity to provide that for them as well through holistic cultivation and and -hmm. those sorts of things and then moving through that journey of plant medicine and then finding my way to ayahuasca in peru and encountering like the indigenous Shipibo people of Peru and their master plant, the herbs that they work with um, in conjunction with ayahuasca was a completely transformative experience for me. And I 
did experience profound healing that I know was ancestral healing. And I really felt that my ancestors had, in a very iterative way, moved me towards that experience from the very beginning mm-hmm. when I first found plant medicine in 2006. And that, I don't know, something about knowing that was the first step of the journey that I was moving towards healing myself, that I wasn't looking for like a job. I wasn't trying to get any sort of status. I don't want to be in pain and having this beautiful journey with plant medicine that actually has relieved me of a great deal of my physical pain as well as other emotional and psychological pain and really has transformed my experience of being alive. Yeah, it has felt in some ways like fulfillment of a dream that my ancestors probably have had for a long time with these illnesses that have been being passed down in our lineage for generations Mm -hmm. because of that trauma Mm -hmm. that they experienced during enslavement and during Mm -hmm. the trafficking of people from Africa to the Mm -hmm. Americas. Yeah, really powerful, really, yeah, a a wonderful experience of, of actually feeling integration, which is, that's something that people talk about as something you do after a psychedelic journey, which is, is important. But for me, actually, just encountering the medicine felt like a kind of integration on a somatic level in my body. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate you sharing that. I don't know as much astrology, but I know a little bit. But as you had mentioned before about Chiron in your eighth house, this feels just from where I sit, what I know, this feels very Chiron in your eighth house, like Mm -hmm. healing your own, these deep ancestral Wounds, this ancestral trauma that was showing up in your body is pain. It did, for sure. Yeah, I do feel a lot of validation <laughs> and looking at my chart and seeing Chiron there and also my yes. Scorpio rising, which it can be a really intense placement. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that my Chiron is in Gemini. And so there is something mm-hmm. that's like intellectual about it, wanting to like research cures and healing and collect Mm -hmm. a lot of information. And that is certainly something that I've done. And now feeling that after, particularly after my experience with ayahuasca and the six months of integration I've had since, knowing that there also was something that ancestors were leading me to there, I have the opportunity to share that healing with others and to let them know, like to be a trailblazer in a way for people in my community that there is profound healing that's available to us. And that has been, that's part of where I'm at now where I'm like, okay, what now that I've received all of this and I have this extra space and this energy, I do Mm -hmm. feel just like a, a feeling of being compelled to share and to make a way for other folks who are black and brown bodies of culture who have experienced similar ancestral traumas mm. to that like there is help. I remember in one of one of my ceremonies that was the most intense, I had this fe- feeling in my body, particularly like in my shoulders, of like relief knowing that the help that my ancestors had been waiting for finally arrived. Like, we're here, we made it, help Mm -hmm. is here. 
And that's really how I felt like being in the care of indigenous peoples in Peru. Mm-hmm. I was like, you, and not only the indigenous people who are so generous with their healing offer, sharing that with us, but also of the land of the Amazon, the rainforest yeah. and the abundance there and just mm-hmm. being able to relax and be like, you come here for healing and healing. The help is here. I could feel that the kind of almost like collective relief of my ancestors in my body and like the relaxing of my shoulders and just being like, okay, we don't have to keep holding it all together now. Like mm-hmm. I can, there's, this is a place where I am able to let go of mm-hmm. a lot of those things that our bodies have just been holding and passing down for hundreds mm-hmm. of years. There's something that's just coming up in me that I don't know how this will come across, but like something of being chosen person to go on this journey a physical journey to a different country but then a mental emotional spiritual energetic yeah it's interesting that you say that and i'm Mm -hmm. i know that these two particular ancestors are thrilled that i remembered because they both have their son in leo and it is leo season (laughs) <laughs> and these were some ancestors that appeared in some of my visions. Mm-hmm. And during while I was in ceremony for mm-hmm. two weeks in Peru with ayahuasca and other plants, they and some other ancestors did share with me like that they had been waiting for me, that they had been mm-hmm. waiting for me for hundreds of years. And they were grateful that I listened, that I followed my curiosity. And mm-hmm. there was one ancestor in particular who it was a midwife who appeared in one of my ceremonies where Mm -hmm. I was experiencing having what it felt like. And I I experienced it as like a spiritual surgery that the shaman was doing to remove an energy from my womb, like trauma from my womb that I know was ancestral. And I know what ancestor specifically was like, this is mine um, from the 1800. And I was able to see her and then you know, that I was struggling to remove this. Like I couldn't Mm -hmm. on my own strength remove it. And the shaman was working to remove it. And then calling for help from an ancestor whose name is Leona. Uh, And Leona, like this was a Leo? Yeah, so there's Leona and then there's, and this is what blanking on. They're both, both of their names starts with an L. Lorena mm-hmm. and Leona. So Lorena is actually the midwife. So I misspoke. Leona mm-hmm. is her daughter. Who is there, but they're both Leos. But Lorena is a midwife. And there was a midwife and shared with me. That's where I inherited some of my skills for plant medicine from her. She was a medicine person and a midwife. And she, mm-hmm. she came to assist me in removing this energy because she was a midwife. And so she came and, and did her thing. And then I could see, I felt that energy, that trauma energy leave me. And I ended up laughing. It was removed from me. And I was just laughing because I felt it was just laughing in relief. Yeah. Because I felt the absence of whatever that energy was. And I could hear my ancestors cheering. And that's when they were like, we've been waiting for you like you did it. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. And I did very much feel like the center of attention and like I had been chosen, which is something that 
has historically made me uncomfortable. Like I haven't mm-hmm. liked being the center of attention. But in that mm-hmm. moment, I felt very proud. And that also does feel like an embodiment of that Leo energy. Leo, yeah, Yeah, I did that and I'm yes. proud of it. And yes. I'm going to receive this praise yes. that's coming from my ancestors and celebration yes. of this journey that they led me on and that I consented to because I did yes. have to make the choice to, to move in the direction that I was being called. It felt like a really powerful moment because... I think sometimes those of us who in our family are the like people breaking intergenerational curses or actually naming the intergenerational trauma that runs in our family, mm-hmm. sometimes we can be scapegoated and not celebrated by the people who are here now. Mm-hmm. And so it felt really validating to be like, regardless of what my birth family feel about my journey, my ancestors, yes. this host of my the people that I've come from are happy and celebrating and yes. they're saying we've been waiting for you. And that there was something healing even just about that part of the vision and Sarah in my in the ceremony. Mm-hmm. Knowing they're proud of me and that I had their support. And I want that for all of us who feel that call. And I think mm-hmm. the work I'm doing now, like moving towards like somatic, combining somatics and art, whether that be for me, it's cooking, creative cooking, painting with flavors, I like to call it. <laughs> and or whatever kind of art that people choose, like yeah. having some way of creating in the process mm-hmm. of release. It has been really powerful for me. And especially as someone who I identifies as a trauma survivor of CSA and like I'm working with a friend who also has that background. And so we're like, how do we as people with wounds, people of color mm-hmm. with wounds, like mm-hmm. how have we been healing and how do we share what we are healing, how we're healing and sh- share what we're learning with other people. Mm-hmm. And it does really feel like this weird moment of like grace used to say like we're the ones we've been waiting for and i feel excited because Mm -hmm. i know how transformative this journey with plant medicine with somatics with this community with somatic abolition has been for me and i know each of us have our kind of our way of moving forward in our own unique way that we've adopted the somatic abolition and our own somatic practices in the collective. Um, And I feel excited to hear what everyone else is doing and excited to be in a place where I'm like, okay, this is ancestors led me through this place. I had my Phoenix moment of like bursting into flames and then being reborn, which was a very public experience actually and even within our somatic abolition cohort and now being in a place where okay i did that ancestors mm-hmm. are proud of me i have mm-hmm. learned a great deal and I'm really eager to share and help other people along walk alongside them on their path to heal from these things too because they don't mm-hmm. have to these things that we've experienced don't have to be the determiner of our outcomes yeah and there's more support for us actually mm-hmm. i think with the support of plant medicine and psychedelic medicine with mushrooms then we maybe have immediately have access to in our families of origin 
sometimes that can feel limiting, but it's, we have, we all come from somewhere and we have many ancestors. And if we're feeling pulled towards these things, it's probably because there's, there's a way that we haven't ability to offer healing for our line through our own pursuit of liberation and healing for ourselves. Much yes. <laughs> Thanks for letting me share that. <laughs> yes, of course. I appreciate also that, because I know in your bio, you mentioned plant medicine, like your work as a herbalist, but you also mentioned food. Just curious mm. about, but now to hear that's going to come through in sort of somatic food creation experience, I'm very intrigued. Yeah. yeah, I think it's part of my, the way that I, I think of embodied art and creation, it transmutes mm-hmm. the energy of my pain and the wounds into something that nourishes me, and that's medicine. And that's what, for me, cooking has been a way to nourish myself and to use my creativity in a way to all that not only nourishes me, because my medicine is for me first, and I feel very mm-hmm. clear about that. Mm-hmm. I was given what I need to heal myself, but mm-hmm. that also my medicine is healing for others. And apparently I'm a very good cook uh, and people like my food and feel nourished. I do see food as medicine in that way. And that's just my way. I think we all have different ways. I think everyone can be creative. And I think it's really important for those of us who have had parts of our identity, either like in some ways what feels like taken from mm-hmm. us by violence Mm-hmm. To be able to reclaim our creation energy in a way that is generative and healing mm-hmm. and nourishing for us mm-hmm. because it does radiate out from mm-hmm. us. And I think we'll, we, part of what I am hoping in this work that I'm doing with somatic arts, specifically for survivors, for black bodies in Focusing on Black and Asian bodies because those are the people who are facilitating it with in, in this collaboration that we, those of us with wounds, we have that creation energy in us, whether the womb is there or not, that space is there and that we have the ability to transmute the, mm-hmm. into something that is nourishing. And if we choose to do that's all mm-hmm. with our consent, but it feels mm-hmm. exciting to me to have to be able to reclaim that aspect of myself. Oh, thank you so much. I'm wondering if I do want you to share like where people can find you and what you're working on, but I wonder if there's anything else that really wants to be shared with regards to burning boxes or or anything that we've talked about (laughs) that you feel isn't quite complete yet. No, I think I feel like I've said, But I, like, I'm feeling pretty complete and and I can, I'm really open to sharing where folks can find me. My website is www.emergentphoenixrising.com. Phoenix Rising and that, the Phoenix imagery has been, has resonated with me for a long time. And I think that's probably related to my Scorpio rising. And right now I'm not on other social media platforms, mm-hmm. but there is a contact form through my website for mm-hmm. anyone who wants to get in touch with me. And mm-hmm. soon there will be some social media. I have someone who's supporting me with that because I just find mm-hmm. social media to be overwhelming on a personal level. And so we'll be working 
if folks are interested, for example, in the combination of the somatic and art and mm-hmm. do a, identify as survivors in some way that they can reach out to me and find out more about that course, that workshop that we'll be doing that'll be six weeks. And we are looking for sponsorship as well for that mm-hmm. because we want What I would like to see is that people who are participating are able to participate regardless of uh, an ability to pay, but also honoring the fact that our ancestors were required to labor for free. And so we need to be compensated so that the facilitators can continue to meet our own needs. But it doesn't mean that the people who that we're walking alongside need to be the people who are providing that. And if folks are interested in supporting that work then they can reach out to me as well through my website. And I learned just the other day that I've had many conversations with you related to astrology that you offer some readings or yes. something like that, Yes, right? Yes, thank you for remembering <laughs> that. So in addition to the somatic and arts, I also yeah. am an herbalist. I do mm-hmm. herbal um, consultations mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. all of this is all available virtually. Um, And now that I'm moving more into Belizean bush medicine, I actually have even a more a a broader repertoire of herbs that I am working with in addition to like kind of North American and Western herbalism. And then I also do astrology readings like birth chart readings, but I also do transit readings. So like talking about what's happening as far as like how the the present movement of the planets is impacting someone's birth chart. So I approach mm-hmm. it from both of those perspectives. And I do both of those on a sliding scale um, mm-hmm. to keep it accessible for everyone who wants a reading. And I also want to say like part of while I am working and I think probably a lot of us are working on our boundaries around like doing free labor, even within our own communities, that I also really am deeply anti-capitalist. And so if there are exchanges that we can make that are outside the realm of capitalism. Mm -hmm. I'm really open to that as well and actually really excited when people contact me and are, you know, curious and creative and like, how can we create some sort of exchange? And yeah, that's, I think it's important to say, because I very much feel like the world is moving in a direction where money isn't going to be the way that we're exchanging energy with each other anymore, because it's not a stable way to, it's just not really serving most of us anymore, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And so speaking of astrology, I'm excited about Pluto and Aquarius, giving us some <laughs> yes. more room to experiment I, and have some visionary um, I, energy towards. I knew that's what you were referring to. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> yes. That's also about burning boxes. Yes. <laughs> Plutonian energy is definitely about burning boxes and Phoenix energy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel so full. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing. I'm very lit up by your work and what you're putting out there. So part of this series is really, for me, it's like getting to have the conversations and also to share because I feel like our community is amazing. And so, yes, I'm just voicing that. I'm very happy in whatever ways I can to like share your work your medicine. And I'm very grateful to be on this path with you and get to connect often. <laughs> Same. Me too. So and I feel gift. Yeah. <laughs> I feel very, yeah, supported by by you in that and and also by you 
collecting the information to for so that all of us who are part of the community can hear what each other are up to mm-hmm. and what we're doing. And the pos- I feel like there will be even more possible with that information out there so that we can hear each other's stories and journeys and what's happening for us. Absolutely. Yes. So thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you. And I feel excited by that too. So even if our time as a group together has ended, like I do feel that there's a lot moving and there's a lot of desire to stay connected. Yes, yeah. for sure. <laughs> okay, Mary, thank you. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Burn the Box movement. <laughs>